0: Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 196. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Right here at the top of the show, I need to make a confession. I am committing today, as I'm recording, a bit of a podcasting etiquette faux pas. While I'm recording live so to speak, I am eating a blueberry muffin. Now podcasting etiquette would etiquette would tell you you should not eat while you're recording right? but here's the thing I'm hungry and I only have a finite amount of time to record right now so uh, I decided 196 episodes into being a podcaster I know enough of the rules. And know them well enough that I can break them intelligently. I will try really hard uh, to tell the producer of this show, which is me, to edit out the you know wet slurping sounds and the screams of my victims as I uh, you know enjoy my my little snack. So, with that apology extended, um, I, I'm still going to you know loudly slurp my coffee like that. But uh, I will try not to make my chewing a thing that disturbs you. But you know a thing that is disturbing?
1: going that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad, Mike Mad, Mike
0: Over there on the GoFundMe the Flat Earth Community Rocket Launch fundraiser is still at $8,121, which is over their goal. The goal was only 7875 I don't believe that that has changed since last week, but they've met their goal, so I guess they're not worried about that. Over there on the Facebook, nothing new about any new rocket launches. Let's see, October 16th. Pat Marchese attests to what you believe in can affect your behavior. Is your behavior affected by what you believe? Check out the website. Do a plug for realrocketman.com. When you watch, uh, be sure to leave a review. They're talking about the movie, which I still have not watched. I could do so for free on Amazon Prime, which I'm already paying for. Um, Last night, I was looking for something to watch, as a matter of fact, because the kids were finally in bed, and I was too tired to work on the things I'm supposed to be working on, like notes for the show and a play that I'm writing right now for uh, an upcoming play festival. Uh, And I wanted something to watch, and I was looking on Amazon Prime, And I very pointedly did not watch the Rocket Man movie. Instead, I turned on The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Because I'm not entirely sure that I've ever actually seen it. And I was into it, and I was enjoying it, and I fell asleep. Because when you're old, like me, and you have kids, that's what Saturday night is like. So, I didn't watch Rocket Man or Buckaroo Banzai. If you have thoughts, let me know. So, I'm following the link to see if there's anything new over there. They still have the clip of uh, Louis Black talking about the Rocket Man the links to the various places you can watch the movie, stuff about the movie, the cast of the movie, basically nothing new here. I'm going to go as a formality over to the Twitter, but I'm guessing there's not going to be anything new there. I already Googled Mad Mike. There was nothing new on the Google. So apparently no new rocket launches in the offing. Uh, I don't know what the guy's doing right now, but he's not launching rockets and so that's for sure. Nope. Nothing new over there on the Twitter. All right, so the Earth remains uh, round. We can all sleep better knowing that. Maybe enjoy another muffin. Why not? Hold on, hold on. I totally forgot. There was an article about Mad Mike that I saw recently, a a new thing. Let me see if I can pull that up. I really should consult my notes that I take all this time to write. There was an October 13th article on the Commerce Gazette website. Uh, I'll preface this by saying I have no idea what the Commerce Gazette is. Uh, Well, here, there's an about page. Commerce Gazette is an information portal shaped by general market trends professionals. Hold on. Shaped by general market trends professionals for PR announcements primarily about market research areas, as well as business, finance, money, overall economy, among other niche categories. Our publication is separate and centered on publicizing information about different sectors by focusing on general market trends areas of major industry. We review the most relevant daily information inside our field and judiciously study and review studies and reviews on the latest tendencies in related areas. So already I'm very confused what Mike Hughes is doing here, but the article is titled Flat Earth Rocket Man Measuring Curve of the United States. For the second time in two years, Mad Mike Hughes, the flat earther who launched himself uh, 1875 feet into the sky in a home-built rocket, will attempt to prove his theory correct. Taking a signature limousine on a coast-to-coast trip to measure the curve of the United States. Alright. Uh, there's A little summary of what the flat earthers believe, which is that the curvature of math, which tells us how much curve there should be per mile, doesn't match up with their observations. Does not get much flatter than Amarillo. That's my mad mic impression. Uh, he said of the proposed globe debunking experiment, If the globe curves 8 inches per mile squared, I don't know if that's true or not. Some of you scientists out there can tell me. Uh, then Interstate Forty would have seven hundred miles of curvature between Barstow, California, and Wilmington, North Carolina. The limousine, outfitted with an oversized split level spirit level, is towing a mobile billboard explaining the concept for the experiment. This stupid project is being sponsored by the Infinite Plane Society, a flat Earth group who believed who believed the edge of the world is really Antarctica. Okay, quote: "We're the group that put research flat Earth on his steam-powered rocket." This time we're putting Storm Antarctica on the sides of his limousine, so does Spokesman for IPS. The trip, of course, is also a pr- uh, promotional tour for Rocket Man the movie, and he'll have DVDs and movie posters for fans at each of his stops. His television show is to be featured on Science Channel called Homemade Astronauts, premiering in 2020. He's going to travel the, entire, the entirety of I-40 from California to North Carolina this weekend, so he's, he's doing it right now. As a matter of fact, I missed that part. Effects to observe 700, uh, observe and measure 700 or more miles of curvature on I-40. If he does not, then he will. If he does not, then he will conclude the flat Earth theory to provide a better explanation. Is uh, also promoting the movie. Uh, a little summary of who Mad Mike is. He'll be in Oklahoma City on October 12th, 19, uh, 2019, which is in the past, because that's how calendars work. Details for meet and greet opportunities. Well, I'm going to look at this. I will tell you, I-40 doesn't come anywhere near me. Uh, if any of you, it's a little late now, I suppose, but if any of you saw Mad Mike, um, you know, out there on the highways and byways, well, specifically the I-40 highway and byway, let me know. Um, let's see. There's a thing on October 13th. Mad Mike's National Flat Earth Tour reaches Knoxville. There apparently was a live stream. There's a Mad Mike's store. I didn't know this. I'll look at that in a second. Um, I was hoping for a calendar of some sort there's not really one all right well let's go check out the mad mike store you can get a dvd of the movie rocket man the mad mike hughes and stunt bunny coloring book the mad mike king of the daredevils t-shirt uh movie poster that's about it all right well how much i I don't want a a coloring book of the stunt bunny i want a stunt bunny all right well how much for a t-shirt let's see zero dollars oh that's a paypal thing i can was it pay what i want that can't be right okay maybe it is hmm but you know what i'm not gonna do that right now you can also support mike on patreon i didn't even know there was a patreon until today Hmm. no tears it doesn't look like meaning no uh you know bonuses for donating for the moment mad mike is concentrating i guess on driving his limousine across the country Because, of course, if you look out your window and it's snowing, that must mean climate change is a hoax. And if you look out the window and you can't see the curvature of the Earth, that must mean there isn't one. Because that's how science works. That's not really how science works. Alright, with that encouraging note, let's move on.
1: Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike
0: Hughes Mad Mike Alright, we got some feedback Since last time I recorded I'm very excited about this We got a voicemail We don't get a lot of voicemails But uh, we got one this time From Kim Who I think is called before If you want to be like Kim And after you hear me After you hear him Uh, Give me a verbal tongue lashing. You're going to want to be like Kim and and jump on that bandwagon. And you can. All you have to do is call 563-265-1978. At least I'm pretty sure that's what you have to call. Uh, hold on. Yes, 563-265-1978. And leave a message. And I will probably play it on the show. Like Kim's message, for example. Give a listen. Hey,
1: Bill. Yeah, this is Kim. Uh, I just listened to your Journey Escape episode, and I, I realize you mentioned that, for some reason, the pop culture section of the uh, Journey article didn't mention that it had been turned into a video game. Uh, but I was expecting you to say, yeah. And then I was expecting you to say, but I did edit it. And you didn't say that, so either
0: you did it, and and you didn't mention it, which would be too bad, or you didn't do it which would be even worse. So I think now you know what you have to do. And
1: that's all I have to say.
0: Bye. So basically, Kim is suggesting that I have shirked my duty as a human being or as a podcaster, the two of which are not necessarily you know mutually exclusive. I'll be honest, I had to listen to this message a couple of times to figure out exactly what he was saying. But I think what he's uh, suggesting is that when I was talking about Journey Escape, and I referenced the Wikipedia article about the band Journey. I think I noticed that it didn't seem like they mentioned that this game, this Atari game, based on the Escape album cover, was mentioned. Um, and I thought that was odd. So I went back and looked after I heard Kim's message. And they do make sort of an oblique reference to Journey, you know, as a thing being sort of branched out to different things like uh, film, TV, Broadway. Uh, and sort of a general, in video games, like the music was in, has been included in video games, but they don't call out or, or reference Journey Escape specifically. And I think Kim is suggesting, well, hell, Bill, why don't you go put that in there? Um, and granted, I, I have the ability, anybody has the ability, that's how Wikipedia works, right? You can become an editor if you want, anybody can, um, which is both the great, thing about wikipedia and the horrible frightening thing about wikipedia Uh, and it's why school kids aren't allowed to cite wikipedia as uh, a source in their papers because who the hell knows what's actually in there which kind of gets to the point of why i don't go in and edit it i read various things that said that this fact is a fact a true fact as opposed to a fake fact but even though i have the ability to edit the article do i have the right as a mere podcaster to do that uh, because my information in turn is based on other people's claimed information. I don't have any firsthand knowledge of any of this. Um, I guess I'm not comfortable, you know, claiming that knowledge as my own and shaping this article based on that. And that's some heavy, you know, walk the floors in thought late at night with your bathrobe and your pipe and a, and a glass of scotch. Kind of heavy, you know, do I have the right? Thoughts, So maybe I'm just a, a, a wimp. I don't know. But no, I, I haven't gone and edited the article. I believe that the fact is a true fact as opposed to a fake fact. But I'm probably not going to go edit the article. So I'm sorry, Tim, I have failed you. But thank you for the voicemail. In other news, there is a ROM release of Atari's Pursuit of the Pinch Panther. There was a Bleeding Cool article. I'm sure there are others as well. That said, Pursuit of the Pin Panther was conceived in 1983 under the original title Adventures of the Pin Panther, based on the cartoon character. I never really got into The Pin Panther. I, I watched it. Like, I watched a lot of other cartoons when I was a kid, but it was never like, oh my god, it's The Pin Panther. It's my favorite. Um, of course, The Pin Panther movie with Peter Sellers is an, is an iconic comedic uh, tour de force. Um, but The Pin Panther cartoon. Uh, was never a favorite of mine, but I certainly would have played this game had it been available to me. So they conceived this 1983, gonna call it Adventure of the Pin Panther, based on the cartoon show that ran throughout the 70s. There were characters from the cartoon in the game, everything looks great, but then problems can set in. There were defective ROM chips, the video game market crashed, and the game never got released. Over the years, photos of the game have gotten out but no one has had a complete ROM, according to this article, until now. A user on Atari Age found the game archived over the summer and spent a couple of months restoring it so it could be easily downloaded, which you can do here. There's a link in the article. And thus concludes another search for a long-lost game. According to this article, the game looks pretty good, considering it's a kid's game for the Atari 2600. Ouch, take that, Atari. The ROM isn't that big to download, so if you want to try it out totally free before someone comes along with some weird request for them to take it down, we suggest you do so quickly. I have not done this. If anyone has, please let me know. And tell me what you thought of it. Because uh, I would be intrigued to know. Like I said, I totally would have played that game. If it, if it had been available as a kid. Oh, I need to watch that. As I was scrolling here through this article, my it scrolled over to another article I meant to read. From the AV Club. It's not really fall until you watch Conan and Mr. T go apple picking. It's a link to a... Uh, 20-year-old clip of Conan O'Brien and Mr. T. picking apples. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the Pin Panther. So, go check that out if you still can. I didn't even go look to see if it's still there. And if you have, like I said, uh, let me know. Alright, let's move on to this week's game. This week's game is... Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes. From Fox Video Games, 1983, coincidentally. This is a 1983 game that did come out. Um, this is my... Uh, I guess I should have said the top show. This is my spooky Halloween episode, because as you're hearing this, uh, it's a few days until Halloween. I have not decided what I'm going to be for Halloween at this point. I think I'm probably gonna go with my usual costume, which is a tired uh, dude in his late 40s. Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes, 20th Century Fox, Games of the Century trademark, uh, has on the cover of the manual, and I think yeah, and on the cartridge too. A tomato with the head of a bull and you know the the horns and the the ring through his nose. That's a little disturbing. I'm not going to look at a BLT sandwich uh, the same anymore after this. To set it up, uh, we're using the joystick for this one. Tilt the joystick in any direction and maneuver your all-purpose tomato sprayer around the screen. The joystick button is used to capture and release bricks and also destroy tomatoes and tomato plants. Are you confused? Well, keep listening. I will explain all of that. Your objective is to trap the tomato plants at the bottom of the screen by building three walls above them. At the same time, you must avoid or shoot down all flying tomatoes, dodge tomato bombs, and stop the brick eaters. Your score is displayed at the top of the screen. In the bottom left-hand corner, red bars show the number of tomato sprayers remaining. Note: If the left difficulty switch is in the B position, there will always be three bars remaining. That's right, baby, you get infinite sprayer lives. Your job is to build three walls above the tomato plants. The walls are built by capturing colored bricks and then dropping them into place. Oh man, you know what? I could use some walls around my tomatoes. Every year we plant a garden at my house. And then every year we do almost nothing to take care of it. And then every year at the harvest time, we groan and moan about how we didn't get much of a harvest. But we do use those tomato cage things, which, shocker, doesn't really keep the uh, chipmunks and the squirrels and whatnot out of the tomatoes. I did get some corn. I plant I plant corn every year, and I never get any. But I did get a few ears off the uh, corn stalks this year before the uh, animals got to it. So I was pretty excited about that. Anyway, this has been Farmer Bill Corner. Back to your regularly scheduled program. To capture a brick, you must shoot it once with your all-purpose tomato sprayer as the brick moves across the top of the screen. A beep will sound when you hit a brick. If you succeed in capturing it, your sprayer will turn the color of that brick the brick may now be placed in a wall by aiming the tomato sprayer toward the desired position in the wall and then pressing the joystick fire button once. Only green bricks may be placed in the bottom wall, only pink bricks in the middle wall, and only gold bricks in the top wall. The permanent bricks on either side of the screen are guides to show you where to line up your colored bricks. You can aim from underneath or from the top of the wall, but you cannot place a brick by firing horizontally, which took a long time for me to get used to. Also you cannot drop a brick through an existing wall. You must guide the tomato sprayer through the openings in the upper walls to reach the empty spots below. Careful now, you only have one chance to place a captured bread. If you miss the wall, you lose the bread. No wall can be completed if one one of the walls beneath it is incomplete. You must avoid the bombs from the tomato plants at the bottom of the screen and from the flying cherry tomatoes at the top. Colliding with either a beefsteak tomato, a bomb from a cherry tomato, or a tomato plant will result in the loss of one tomato sprayer. Are you confused? I was too. In play levels four, six, and eight, brick-eating tomato plants will occasionally grow on the walls. The tomato bombs will turn green if a brick eater is growing somewhere. If allowed to reach its full height, both it and the brick under it will disappear. Shooting a brick eater or completing any wall will stop the plant from eating the brick. If you run into a brick eater, you will lose one sprayer. Okay, that's the part I forgot. Because when I was playing, Yeah, I I would put the uh, little bricks wherever I I wanted to put them, and then occasionally a tomato plant would start growing out, but then it it would disappear, and I forgot why. I guess that explains it. Scoring. Yeah. Points are awarded by hitting tomatoes or for hitting tomatoes, brick eaters, and tomato plants. Capturing and placing a brick and completing walls. Basically, the point values range from five points for hitting a roving beefsteak tomato, fifty for a killer cherry tomato, five for a brick eater, ten for capturing a brick. 20 for placing a wall a brick in a wall. 1,000 points for completing the first wall. 2,000 for the second. 3,000 for the third. Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes will automatically begin on level 6, which is the same as level 4, but increasingly difficult with each round. Level 4 is the same as level 3, plus Brick Eaters. Level 3 is the same as level 2, plus Cherry Tomatoes. Basically, if you're on level 1, there are tomato plants fire. The tomato plants fire. And I guess that's it. I don't know. I didn't play. I, I jumped went ahead and jumped in at level 6, because that's how I roll. The current level of, of play will be displayed at the top of the screen. After you complete a game by building all three walls, you will be challenged with another round of tomato warfare in the same play level. Hints from John Russell, the guy who designed the game, obviously. Brick eaters always grow on the wall containing the most bricks. If there are two walls which have the same number of bricks, the brick eater will grow on the upper wall. Don't stay at the top of the game screen, as it is easier to capture capture bricks when you are further away from them. Remember, it only takes one shot from the tomato sprayer to capture a brick. The next shot fired will release it. Although you must fire single shots to capture and release bricks, you'll have better better luck blasting tomatoes with the fire button held down, uh, which I don't think I did. Practice switching from one method to the other. Uh, There's a little handy chart here where you can record your name and your level and your score, which I did not do. Because I want it to be a secret for me alone. And that is how you play. Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes. <laughs> As we noted. The game was written by John Russell. Released in 1983. And cost roughly 30 bucks when it was released. I have no idea what I played for this loose cartridge. Um, not $30. I know that. The back of the box apparently reads. which I, I don't have the box. But apparently it says. Perhaps it was a form of protest against bottled ketchup. Or maybe they were provoked by acid rain. However, they came into awareness. Tomatoes have become killer. Okay, that was the end of the quote. Um, basically, these are sentient tomatoes that cannot be destroyed by mankind's weapons. It is believed that the title and the concept of this game are inspired by the cult movie, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. During Super Bowl um, 17 in Pasadena, California, Roman numerals are hard people, Fox staged a publicity stunt for the game. Two people dressed as giant tomatoes were seated near the end zone, and spent the game picking, uh, picketing with signs that read, Beefsteak Tomatoes Demand Revenge. Fox's Vice President of Marketing said of the stunt, quote, The idea was to pique the public's interest and establish a kind of mascot for the game. Close quote. The tomato models received a positive response from the surrounding crowd, although one named Jane Farrell mentioned that some fans had tried to squeeze her, of which she disapproved. Um, so it was a Me Too movement, a Me Too moment, the fruit version in the 1980s. The name Revenge of the Beastate Tomatoes has been called whimsical and one of the best new games at the 1983 Winter Consumer Electronics Show. Schwartz and Dyckman of all games said that you had better think twice before eating another tomato. A year ago, iplayallthegames.wordpress.com observed that the option to play with infinite lives is a really nice feature, to be honest. Sometimes you just want to lean back and enjoy some meditative gaming without feeling like like a cheater, and this one gives you that option. I wish more games would include that. The game on normal mode, four lives and increasing difficulty, is fairly challenging. The only real downside is the overall presentation. The game looks very bland and blocky and lacks details to clearly convey what every sprite It's also almost completely silent except for the occasional pew pew and an uninspired jingle at the start. It's a neat little game with a refreshing backstory. It gets a little stale after a while, but fun in short bursts. 7 out of 10. Woodgrain Wonderland asks if we remember those old, old iMagic ads in comic and video game magazines featuring some frazzled looking nerdy guy. Commenting how such and such a game has turned the bright young fellow into a vegetable, which this writer observes is kind of how he feels after playing Revenge of the Beast Steak Tomatoes. I started playing on Sunday, here it is Wednesday, and I'm still playing this ridiculous thing and only starting to write a review. In between, I've been sort of resentful every time I've had to stop playing and engage with the real world. The game is not pretty, limited sounds, which reminds him of an old Simon electronic game, and so did the graphics, come to think of it. But the gameplay is unique and certainly challenging though not in the same way as most video games. The challenge is more in the completion of the task than the standard classic video game where you attempt to get the most points before losing your 3-5 to five lives. Just when you think you've mastered the basic mechanics of the game, out come the brick-eating tomato plants that will destroy a brick if you don't shoot them fast. It's a crazy game that would be nigh unto impossible if the control was not so astoundingly smooth. Probably in the top 10 of VCS games in terms of control responsiveness, at least on the joystick side. The action button tends to double shoot a little too easily causing you to lose your brick if your spray tan is pointed at the top of the string. The game is nothing to look at or listen to but for unique, addictive, challenging, and most importantly enjoyable gameplay gets a B. A beefsteak tomato, for those wondering, is one of the largest varieties of cultivated tomatoes, weighing 450 grams or more. Most are pink or red with numerous small seed compartments, distributed throughout the fruit, sometimes displaying pronounced ribbing similar to ancient pre-Columbian tomato cultivars. It's great for salsa, fresh sauces, dips, the mild flavor makes them the perfect complement to any dish without being too overpowering. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was a 1978 musical dark comedy horror film produced by J. Stephen Peace and John DeBello, and directed by John DeBello, based upon an original idea by Costa Dillon. Screenplay was written by Dillon, Pe- uh, Peace, and DiBello, and the film is a spoof of B-movies. Made for less than $100,000 U.S., the story involves tomatoes becoming sentient by unknown means and revolting against humanity. The success led to three sequels, all co-written by the same three writers and directed by DeBello. I'm just glancing at the cast list. I don't see anybody who went on to be a big name. The film got negative reviews, but has become a cult film. Rotten Tomatoes has a 27% approval rating based on 11 reviews with a weighted average of 3.89 out of 10. Variety wrote that the film, quote, isn't even worthy of sarcasm, close quote. I gotta see this thing. I didn't look too much at this, but the 1988 sequel was Return of the Killer Tomatoes. In 1990, there was Killer Tomatoes Strike back. And at some point in there, there was also an Attack of the Killer Tomatoes TV series. So there you go. After the break, you say tomato, I say tomato. You say potato, I say potato. You say Atari Bites, I say hell yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't either. The word is either. All right. The word is either. No use squabbling. That'll get neither of us any place. The word is neither. Things have come to a pretty pass. Our romance is growing flat. Cause you like this and the other. While I go for this and that. Goodness knows what the end will be Oh, I don't know where I'm at It's plain to see We two will never make one Something must be done You say either and I say either You say neither and I say neither Either, either, neither, neither, neither Let's call the whole thing off like potato, and I like potato, you like tomato, and I like tomato, potato, patata, tomato, tomato, oh, let's call the whole thing off, but oh, if we call the whole thing off, then we must part, and oh, if we have part, then that might break my heart.
0: All right, let's play some Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes. Instantly, I like this game because there's a lot of stuff going on. You got things flying at you that you got to get out of the way from or shoot. You got tomato plants at the bottom of the screen firing stuff at you. You got to collect these little blocks and build these three walls. There's a lot of stuff going on here. It's all pretty simple individually but when you put it all together, it's really hard. I don't... I get that uh, tomato plants can grow on some of the new walls that you're building, but I don't understand why they disappear then. I don't remember that from the instruction manual. I like the little sound that the tomatoes make when you squish them. It's curious that you don't have a finite number of lives. This game pretty much just goes on forever until you complete your task. I don't know what the thing is there. Maybe it's some sort of... we don't want to call anyone a loser. Although back in the eighties, no one had problems calling kids who lost losers. That's more of a two thousands adventure.
1: If I have any the
0: tomato plants look really good. If I have any complaints, the flying tomato that's what they called me in college by the way doesn't really look like a tomato. It looks more like uh, just a flying saucer kind of thing. It's kind of an oval shape. Maybe that's to suggest the distortion from flying through the air. I don't know. I don't know how long I'm gonna go with this field report. Like I said, there's not a finite number of lives so this game potentially won't end. Until I stop it. I'm just having fun playing this game. Like this. I really like this. Spoiler. Damn you, tomato. Show of hands. Who likes tomato on their salad? Alright. First show of hands, who likes salad? I do. Except when they put those stupid deviled eggs in it. That's gross. Squishy tomato. Alright, well and play this really cool video game back to you in the studio hey everyone this is Michael one of the hosts of the Atari XeGS cart by cart podcast do you like Atari of course you do what about the 8-bit computer line it was one of the best well how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran and myself as we review the cartridge based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line we also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK but that's not all we also dig up game history share personal experiences and perform questionable comedy You'll get all of that, and for free, just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's x-e-g-s, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast? but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes. I was very, very pleasantly surprised when I played this one. It's really fun. There is so much going on in this game, which could, as some of the reviewers noted, work against it. I actually like it, because if it was any one of those things by itself, the game would just kind of be like, meh. But you put all that together, and there's a lot to think about. I actually think that the what you get on screen looks pretty good. The plants look pretty good, the, the flying tomato thing doesn't really look like a tomato. It squishes like a tomato, I guess. But when it's flying at you, it just looks like a red oval space saucer thing. But I like all the stuff together. You have to dodge stuff. You have to shoot stuff. You have to build this wall. Um, it's like um, it's like, uh, Mega Mania and Surround and I don't know what else. All mixed together. And I was very pleased. Um, I would go play some more now. I think I even mentioned in the field report that I just finally had to stop playing. Because I figured you are tired of listening to me. Because the game just goes on and on, and it's just really fun. Yeah, I gotta hurry up and finish recording so I can go play some more. And that, as I've always said, the replay factor, that's what makes a good game, I guess. So, good job, Revenge of the Beefsteak Tomatoes.
1: It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time,
0: with Bill. This week's story is titled, Tomato Puree. Watkins sat quietly, listening to the pounding in his head. Wham, wham, wham. He felt sickly hot. The very existence of light melted his eyeballs. I will never drink again, he muttered, wincing at the effort and the noise. That was a lie. Working in the vegetable crimes division meant wading through a lot of horrible stuff, not even including creamed cauliflower. He had to do something to clear his brain, or drown it. Watkins' cell phone vibrated on the desk. The rumble made his wobbly brain shimmy. That in turn made his stomach lurch. Watkins, he said into the phone, talk fast before I die. What Watkins heard on the other end made his mostly 80-proof blood run cold. Sobriety marched through his extremities with cleats. I'll be right there. The mobile vegetable crime unit rolled to a stop at the south end of Farmer Brown's property. Watkins was barely out of the truck when a shadow washed over him. Watkins, Tillman boomed down from over him. What are you doing here? There's no veggie crime here. You're out of your jurisdiction. His breath smelled of onions. The sicko. Watkins investigated vegetable-related crimes. Talking to Tillman was like being a cop in the vice division talking to another cop while looking at his porn collection. Back off, Tillman. I can help. Tillman chuckled. It was the hollow laugh of a man who long ago realized there was nothing really funny in this world, but the facade of humor sometimes is the only thing standing between getting through each day and going completely insane. Tillman turned and waved a beefy arm in a sweeping gesture toward the atrium before them. Really, Watkins? Be my guest. These tomatoes have been pureed. Watkins' intestines puckered. Row after row of tomato plants were decimated. Ripe red heirloom tomatoes reduced to a cheap horror show. Red blood sludge. It was worse than he'd expected. Watkins barfed. A lot. Loud, wet, dry heaves floated on rivers of bile. When he was finished, he wiped his chin with a wrinkled discount store suit coat sleeve. Like I said... Dillman said Get out of here Tomatoes are fruit Not veggies You know that Besides He made a face Clearly you're not up for it Watkins stood on wobbly knees No He said This time It's personal Back at the station Watkins swiped through the photos on his phone The car he bought after he made lieutenant Seashells from the trip to the ocean Poops that looked like dolphins as he scrolled, his thumb hovered over his favorite photo. This one had two of the firmest, roundest, most gorgeous tomatoes he'd ever seen. Also his girlfriend, Gina. The photo was from that day Watkins, Gina, and the newly harvested tomatoes spent the day at the beach. The humans frolicking in the surf, the tomatoes ripening in the sun. The capper for the day was a visit to the comedy club where they heckled that hack prop tomato. The tomatoes especially loved that. Tomatoes originated in Peru, so Watkins, Gina, and Tomatoes enjoyed that day a Peruvian meal. The lomo soltado was excellent. But then the solterito, a Peruvian salad, showed up. And their salad got tossed. Maybe the tomatoes were too ripe. Maybe the chilies were too spicy or the cheese not spicy enough. Maybe it was because the chef was Swedish and unaccustomed to South American cuisine. He was certainly flustered and in speaking incoherently. Whatever it was, that salad tossed the room like... Like something Peruvian that tosses other things. Beans and cheese smeared the walls as the salad pinwheeled across the room. The tomatoes were sliced and diced. The chef from Sweden fled back to, well, Sweden, apparently. And Gina? Uh, Well, it turns out Gina was deathly allergic to fava beans. The chef, who happened to be Swedish and had absolutely no connection to any beloved characters from popular culture, living or dead, real or fiction, stood off to the side laughing. Watkins gave chase, but lost him. And that wasn't all he lost. Gina and the two tomatoes, all were gone. Every day, every single day. Watkins told himself he could have, should have, done something different. Should have known what was going to happen. Should have protected Gina and the maters. He knew who was behind the attack. He knew it as well as he knew the difference between tomato paste and tomato puree. Gina wouldn't have liked him being consumed by thoughts of revenge. The tomatoes... Well, they wouldn't care. They were tomatoes. The highly acidic nature of tomatoes may cause the fruit to repeat on you, but Watkins couldn't repeat that day. However, Watkins could avenge those slaughtered heirlooms in that field turned graveyard. Chip packets. This ain't right. And Watkins knew just what to do. The Wriggling Nest was a hot spot in a cold, hostile part of town. Not a bright spot. The tomato Seedy nightclub hosted thousands of young people and twice as many worms every single week. But if you weren't part of the in crowd, as evidenced by using the term in to signify acceptance, you stood out like a golden yellow tomato in a garden full of green tomatoes. Watkins was definitely not one of the in crowd. Where's Weston? Watkins asked, the fat earworm working at the door of the wriggling nest. Weston was the club's owner and a known crime boss, but much like Cauliflower, Watkins had never been able to touch him, and both turned to stomach Weston, who the earworm coyly responded, Watkins shot out an arm, fingers gripping where a neck might be if worms had necks. Don't mess with me, I've been looking for a drain tube for my garbage disposal. You might just fit the bill. let him in, Sebastian. a voice said from inside the empty club. The patrons wouldn't start showing up for hours. Weston was always there, seemed never to sleep. He was a fruit worm perpetually in the larva stage. Seeming never to age, yet with eyes that had seen it all, and deemed most of it beneath contempt. Fruitworms might have five hearts, but all of Weston's were black as as the topsoil tomatoes thrived in. Weston stepped past Sebastian into the club. The subdued daytime lighting was unsettling. Weston slithered from behind the bar. You hear about the heirlooms, aren't you? They were slaughtered last night. Yes, and I know how your heart bleeds red as marinara, Weston said. They were innocent. Watkins said through gritted teeth, whatever the beef is with you and the beefsteaks, the heirlooms didn't deserve this. Plump thing with a navel, Weston said. That's what the Aztec name for tomato translates as. Fitting for such a useless fruit. Watkins swung one leg out, sweeping Weston to the floor and stepping on the worm's midsection. If I want to learn a language, I'll get Rosetta Stone. From you, I just want answers. Who carried out the hit? Weston laughed. You know already. Tell me. It wasn't me, Weston said innocently. Sometimes, though, family can be our greatest ally, but also our greatest enemy. You're saying the beefsteaks did this? I'm not saying anything. We're just talking. May I get up now? Watkins lifted his boot off Weston's slimy clitellum. With a wet, sucking sound, Weston rose back to his feet. Well, balancing on one end where feet might be, anyway. Cops like you, Weston said, you think you know the criminals on sight. That they're easy to spot, like the deviled eggs in a garden salad. But sometimes you're so distracted by the eggs, you miss the salmonella and the tomatoes. The cherry tomatoes on the roof of Watkins's car roared through the night. Why it was already night when he just left the wriggling nest in the daytime is one of those story things you don't need to worry about. As he flew around corners grinding up Miles, conflicted feelings grinding up his soul. Why would the beefsteaks do this? His little tomatoes, the innocent fruits gathering sand on that beach. They would never have done this. But did he really know that? They were tomatoes. It's not like he could have asked them. Hey, are you tomatoes cold-blooded murderers? Life is hard. Befriending tomatoes even harder. Watkins rolled to a stop at the edge of the beefsteak plantation. He pulled his service weapon out and stepped briskly from the vehicle. Policy or not, he was going to avenge the heirlooms. Whatever slight the beefsteaks thought the heirlooms had committed, they didn't deserve the punishment the beefsteaks meted out. A little voice in Watkins' head noted he was about to slaughter beefsteak tomatoes for doing the same thing to the heirlooms. He locked that little voice in a closet in his brain, the same closet where he kept sex dreams about furniture and the memory of that time he attended a Nickelback concert. Watkins stepped over an irrigation ditch, gun at the ready, but the cry of anguish that poured forth fertilized the dark patches of his soul. No doubt more cynicism and hopelessness would grow in those areas when he thought about this day forevermore. Damn you, Watkins groaned. Damn you all to hell. The beefsteak tomatoes were gone. The whole whole crop self-harvested. The tomatoes took their revenge and split. And not the good kind of split, like to go on a turkey sandwich. They rolled on to the next town to poison more people. And not just by confusing them with the whole, is it a fruit or a vegetable thing. And they will return one day to wreak havoc. And when they do, Watkins will be waiting with a can of vinaigrette to rain down on them like hell's own juices. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance in Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bites on many podcatchers. But make sure you serve up a tasty garden variety review salad over there on Apple Podcasts so that... The seed of your review can grow into a mighty tomato plant of delicious listenership. Email the show at Atari Bytes I'm walking from away from that weird sentence quickly. Email the show at 2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also look us up on Instagram. And as I mentioned earlier, you can leave a voicemail. 563-265-1978. Check out the new website, which isn't so new anymore, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. What will you find over there? Well, you'll find a page all about the Atari Bytes podcast, information about the show, links to episodes, social media, links to the Patreon, all sorts of things. You can also find out about It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, my other show, which is a monthly exploration of all things related to the Peanuts comic strip and TV shows and movies and merchandise and People who made the show and people who've been involved with the show, we've had playwrights and actors and authors and um, all sorts of people have wandered over there to talk about one of the world's favorite things, Snoopy and all his friends. Go check that out. Tell your Snoopy-loving friends to check it out. On the podcast, or rather on the website, you'll also find information about books that I've written, including Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and not thoughts, and... In the Saint Nick of Time, which is a novel, uh, an experiment, if you will, because I wrote a Santa Claus story, but for adults. So uh, you might consider picking that up. Thank you in advance. Also, please consider supporting the show financially by making a donation, uh, becoming a subscriber, really, on the Atari Bytes Patreon page. Um, You can get access to episodes early. You can get bonus episodes. You can get the um, delicious... uh, tomato-esque joy of helping out uh, a podcaster. Um, tomatoes ain't cheap, folks. Um, so any help you can provide for me to keep, keep myself, any help you can provide to keep stuffing me full of delicious and healthy tomatoes is greatly appreciated. Um, the AB uh, underscore store on Zazzle.com is still there. Uh, there are Go Play Some Old Games They've Missed You, uh, Shirts and Mugs, I am I thought I was gonna get it done this year. I'm still hoping to, but at some point I will be revamping the store with new stuff. I will let you know of course when that happens. Shout out to my patrons, Michael Tyler and Jose Gazeta. Thank you as always for sticking there. But those guys get lonely over there. So if you guys wanna join the team over there on the Patreon, please do. Links to all of this stuff in the show notes. Next time on Atari Bytes. Tank Plus. We are continuing our journey through really old text label cartridges that I have. So the next one is Tank Plus. You're welcome, Plus. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.
1: I'm a big fan of the game. I'm a big fan of the game. I'm a big fan of the game.